For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor that I'm aware of. If you're a doctor, I wasn't aware of that today until today. Okay, not a doctor. Just making sure. I don't know. Sean Rima, 9 till 11. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Whew, that Jen Psaki, she's such a stupid SOB, isn't she? Go make me a sandwich, sweetheart. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm sorry, I don't care who I FM. That's me. She is such a snot. Is she not a snot? She's a snot. Jen Psaki, hey, say it with me. Okay, especially if you're listening to me at the airport while you're taking off your mask. On the count of three, one, two, three. Wow, Jen Psaki is a snot. I know I should have, you know, uh, handled that a little better so you know exactly what to say. But she is. She's a snot. Take your snotty ass to MSNBC and get out of our world, man. This mask thing is great. Uh, we have U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball. Catherine uh, Kimball, was it Mizell? Uh, as Trey pointed out earlier, she's young, man. She's only 35, and that's young when you're an old fart like me. Voided. I love that word. Actually, that's one of my favorite words since my uh, days in the hospital. Voided. Uh, U.S. District Court Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell voided Joe Biden's mask mandates on public transportation, including aeroplanes. Uh, as we pointed out on Where and Rhyme, we got all these videos now of people in the airport and on airplanes pulling off their masks. Uh, the administration is going crazy because, you know, Peter, you're not a doctor. Yeah, are you? are you a doctor? Yeah. She almost sounds like, uh, apart from sounding like every psycho ex-girlfriend you've ever had, she also kind of sounds like like Ricky Gervais. You know, she's got like that Ricky Gervais, like she's the female unpleasant version of Ricky Gervais. Because I like Ricky Gervais. I think he's one of the funniest human beings on planet Earth. But she's got that Ricky Gervais cadence, you know. Like, well, are you a doctor? Yeah, you a doctor? You a doctor, Peter? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's great. And I, you know, I mentioned this earlier. And I, uh, as far as the the masks uh, coming off at the airports and on the airplanes, I don't fly as much as I used to, but uh, I've spent a fair amount of time in airplanes and on air on airplanes and in airports, specifically since moving to Texas and and my daughter living in Colorado. And I remember, I had a friend years ago, years ago, and she was a really cool person, and we were really close. And she lived next to an airport in, in Colorado Springs. And so she had airplanes going over her house, her townhouse, like every, constantly. Uh, it's like where I grew up uh, uh, in Maryland. I was not that far from BWI, so I also had the airplanes kind of going overhead constantly. And she used to say that she would look up in the sky and see the airplanes and wonder if it's a happy trip for the people on that plane or a sad one. And I remember asking her what she meant by that. Well, she said pretty much everybody on an airplane is either making that trip for a sad reason, maybe a funeral they're attending, maybe they're going to see a sick relative, 
uh, you know, or they're there for they're on that airplane for a happy reason. They're they're going to be reunited with family members, or they're going to see somebody they haven't seen in a long time, or they're going to do something fun. So she would say, "I wonder about the people in the airplanes flying overhead. Are they sitting in that seat on that airplane for a happy reason or a sad reason?" And I've always thought about that. I always thought that was brilliant, you know, a brilliant observation, because there are two things that people do in airports, predominantly, if they're not getting on a plane or if they are getting on a plane. There's two things you do. You're either saying hello or goodbye, right? You're either saying hello or goodbye when you're at an airport. Uh, You're either saying goodbye to a loved one who is getting on a plane and going off on some journey for some reason, and you're not going to see them for a while, or you're welcoming somebody home that you care about or, or somebody's getting off a plane that you or you're getting off a plane and you're being reunited with somebody that you love you're either saying hello or goodbye and for the past couple of years half that story has been covered by a stinking mask and human beings do communicate with their faces i've noticed this and i i, I noticed this the past couple of times I've taken my daughter to the airport and had to say goodbye. She's got that stupid mask on. Or when I was in the hospital, because, you know, pretty much everybody I encountered for four and a half months was wearing a mask. And it disturbs me that a lot of the people that I got very close with, honestly, and who, who meant something in my life when I was in the hospital for the brief moment they were part of my journey, I don't know what they look like. I could be walking or standing next to one of these people at the HEB, and I would not recognize them because I've only ever seen half their face. And so you're at an airport, you're saying goodbye to somebody, it's sad, you, you're only seeing half their face. You're welcoming somebody home, you're saying hello, you're, you know, you're happy, but you're, only, you're not seeing the smile that's behind that mask. You're not seeing the smiles and the frowns. And I think that's the, the worst thing about these damn masks. And as Trey brought up, it's even worse for little kids because, especially really little kids, they're just learning how to read people. They're learning how to communicate with people, and facially is how a lot of that stuff happens. So, so good on this uh, this judge. She's a Trump appointee. Thank you, Don Donald, uh, for that little gift, that little Easter present. And uh, you know, watching the administration freak out over this is just delicious isn't it it really is it's i'm just sucking it up man like french onion soup i am you know they're just they don't they hate this they can't stand it look these are people the administration these are people who routinely use their own judges that they saw appointed during their own administrations to change law to to craft law you want to talk about, uh, uh, you know, cheating during that last election? You had a lot of federal judges that were Obama appointees who changed election laws inside states for mail-in ballots and all that crap. These are people that if they if they can't get it done legislatively and they can't get it done uh, via executive action, oh my God, they leap to the federal judges of this country that are Democrats and activist judges, and you know it. They just put one on the Supreme Court. They love getting stuff done with with federal judges. But now because one of Donald Trump's federal judges did something that's making people happy, oh, it's the worst. People are going to (laughs) die. People are just going to fall over dead, man, left and right. And and I, I, you know, I'm I'm just a simple cave dweller, and I don't know much about airplanes. 
But when the whole when the Deuce Meister and Jen were going back and forth about, are you a doctor, Peter? Are you? Are you? Because he had asked her. He said, "Well, what's the difference? Here we are in an I'm paraphrasing, but here we are in an enclosed space, and none of us are wearing masks. What's the difference between a bunch of people sitting on an airplane in an enclosed space wearing masks?" And that's where she went off. And are you a doctor, Peter? And again, I'm just a simple cave dweller. I don't know much about airplanes or aeronautics, but I do know, well, hey, if you're on an airplane, right, they're circulating the air, right? You're not, (laughs) you would have to circulate the air in a pressurized cabin so that you don't, I'm assuming, run out of air. You know, I mean, so aren't you, in a sense, safer on an airplane without a mask than you would be in the Washington, D.C. press room? where if you have a standard AC system, the air is not being recycled like it is. I think Trey pointed out every two and a half minutes on an airplane. You're actually safer on an airplane without a mask than you would be sitting where Peter Ducey sits. But what does he know? He's just a stupid SOB, and he works for that, that awful freaking Fox News. And they just write, you know, questions for their reporters. And, and the questions make everyone sound like a stupid SOB. And Jen Psaki, you're snotty. Nobody likes you. Even your friends who claim they like you secretly don't. And, uh, you know, go go pedal your ass on MSNBC. Just aren't you glad she's gone? I mean, I'm, I'm happy for two things. I'm happy that we lost the masks on the airplanes and the airports. I think it's a good thing. And secondly, man, I am so freaking happy uh, that that Jen Psaki is going over to MSNBC. You know why? I don't watch MSNBC. So it's going to be rare that I ever have to lay eyes on that, that, that satanic ginger chick ever again. I'm just telling you. She's snotty. And I, I'm at a place in my life where I can't roll with snotty. I just can't roll with the snot anymore. I just can't. <laughs> That's right. I just said on the radio, I can't roll with the snot. But I'm being honest with you. I have very little patience now at this chapter of my life for anybody who's got snark or snot or huffing and puffing or whatever the hell that's, you know, pissing them off. I just I have no patience for it. And she's numero uno. I don't know who they're going to get to fill that vacuum. And let me tell you, Jen Psaki as a press secretary is something of a vacuum information-wise. But holy crap, that chick has sucked since she was at the State Department. So put her on MSNBC. You know what? She'll be happier. Uh, it's not going to change Peter Ducey's life in any way, shape, or form because he's what in the old days we used to call a journalist. And so whoever is at that podium, I have no doubt that Peter Ducey is going to ask tough questions just like he's been doing with her, which is why she hates his stinking gut so much. So that's my riff on Jen Psaki and the masks coming off and on, the, on the airplanes. The phone lines are open, 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. i got to set up my phone thingy here so I can actually – oh, hi, there you are. So I can actually see what the hell uh, folks are talking about and want to talk about on the phone. Call us up, 210-599-5555, 210-599-5555. Let's take a break. It's Sean on Newstalk 550 KTSA. <laughs> Hi, this is Jack Riccardi, and you're listening to News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Stay connected. Yeah, man, News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071 with your old weird Uncle Sean. Sorry I didn't make it in yesterday. Had some issues. 
Well, and look, this is my public service announcement for the day because I was sick all weekend. I basically missed Easter because starting Friday night all the way through Sunday night, really, I was in bed, uh, was not feeling well, and uh, uh, I don't know if Don's there, but it was it was it was a, 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 a weird weekend. There was just something surreal about spending the entire weekend in bed, especially when it's a holiday weekend. And, it, look, if you're on multiple meds, because I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. If you're on multiple meds, like I am, you know, you, you really need to know, uh, keep in touch with your doctor as far as taking that stuff and when you stop taking that stuff and blah, blah, blah. Because here's what happened. This is what landed my ass in bed for, for the whole weekend. It's really this damn simple in that I have a med, a medical or, a, you know, a pill I've been taking for four months, well, since mid-December. Uh, and I take, what is it, my wife's here, I don't know, nine or ten pills a day. This was one of them. And I ran out. Uh, I took my last one on Friday. And honestly, I just didn't think I needed it anymore. I, I called it in, but I didn't get a response. So I said, well, I don't need this anymore anyway, so I'm not going to worry about it. And then probably around nine o'clock Friday night, it just, I got hit with something that felt like a really bad flu. Just knocked, knocked old Uncle Sean on his ace. And I did. I went to bed, and I spent the next, you know, until Sunday night, well, until Monday morning, really, in bed because uh, I was just so sick. And I had a, uh, I have a, uh, had an appointment pre-scheduled with my doctor for a follow-up to the surgery. And I went in and saw her, and, you know, she kind of straightened it all out, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be fine today but it was just man make sure you know what what meds you're taking and which meds you're supposed to keep taking and <laughs> when you're taking a lot of meds you got to stay on top of that stuff man because <laughs> in other words this was like a med i really shouldn't have stopped taking you know what i mean just because i ran out i should have had foresight to try to get it refilled a few days ahead and i and i hadn't so that's what happened that's why i wasn't on the air uh, yesterday which is why uh, I'm hitting a lot of subjects today that I'm sure Trey brought up yesterday. But we do live in the land of the stupid right now, and this is the age of the moron, and there's so many stupid stories that occurred over the weekend that I just can't, i got to get my thoughts out on. And, and, and I'm sorry, but Coco the Black DJ is kind of my, my big stuff. Black damn DJ is kind of my this this story is so freaking hilarious and so freaking stupid and I I didn't watch a lot of news over the weekend uh, because I was in sick in bed but I heard Riccardi talking about this last night I'm like are you kidding me I thought old Jack Riccardi was uh, was pulling the funny on me and then I looked up the story and it's absolutely true and I'm sure Trey talked about this yesterday. Some kind of PTA dance in Scottsdale. Some kind of a charity event, a fundraiser of some kind, I guess, to raise money for the school in the Scottsdale Unified School District. And they hire a DJ, you know, because it's a dance, a local DJ that everybody knows, and two diversity and education advocates were in attendance at this dance. And it was it was it was a disco themed dance, right? So everybody's wearing nineteen seventies looking stuff. 
and they saw the DJ, and they became outraged because I guess there was a lot of honkies in that room because they thought the DJ was a white guy wearing blackface. DJ Kim Coco Hunter. And they complained. Uh, These two pukes are on some damn diversity committees. And they accused uh, the people of putting this dance on of, of racism and wearing blackface or promoting blackface at this dance. And, well, uh, here's how it turns out. DJ Kim Coco Hunter, well, he's a black dude. He's actually black. He's a black man. And, and, and after he found out about this controversy, DJ Coco was like, am I not black enough? Am I not, am I not black enough to be a black DJ, to be a black man? They, th- they, they just assumed that because there was a lot of honkies in the room that the DJ must be a cracker wearing blackface. You know what I mean? And they look like schmucks. You know why? Because they're schmucks. Because Democrats are you people with this identity politics crap. It is so stupid and pathetic. You are now accusing black people of wearing blackface. And one of these diversity pukes actually had the, the, the well, the things uh, to say. <laughs> to uh, a comment that, well, you know, maybe he was wearing a slightly darker shade of black. You know, blackface can be worn by black people, too. Just like if a black person votes Republican, uh, they can be a white supremacist. If you're a Democrat and you're listening to this show because you secretly hate yourself, can you answer me one question? What is wrong with you people? What, 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 What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Get a grip, man. You make being a talk show host so freaking easy. 210 599 I'm Sean. How are you? Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me today because I'm hurting. Don Morgan was talking about what Brandy Carlisle's coming to town. No, Brandy Belinda, Carlisle. Belinda Carlisle. Oh, Belinda Carlisle. Right. Well, Brandy Belinda doesn't matter. So uh, she was the Bangles, right? Go Go's. The Go Go's. That right. doesn't matter. Go Go's Bangles. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a crush on her. I'm just trying to remember. Well, we all do. It was Belinda because she also had a solo career where she did that. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's right? Heaven is a place on earth, right? We'll make heaven. Yes, you would, Belinda. You would make heaven a place on earth. And we were, all us dudes were thinking the same thing. But it was the 80s, and that was a long, long, long time ago. I don't know. She's still looking real good. Oh, she is. Yeah, she's beautiful. Gorgeous. uh, She is. She is. I just got lost in my thoughts. Um, (laughs) I I bring it up. Who did I see on? I watch. I watch a lot of religious programming now, Don. Right. I watch Trinity Broadcasting Network quite a bit. And who was the religious singer from back in the early eighties? Uh, the oh, I can't remember her name now. Ooh. Oh, Amy Grant. Amy across. Grant. Amy Grant. I saw Amy Grant on TBN the other night, and she looked fantastic. And her and Belinda must be about the same age. Yes, but I bring up the about. I bring up the eighties because I. I stumbled upon a, something today that just makes me so happy and i'm going to be returning to this throughout the rest of the show in that and it also makes me feel really freaking old 
the wrath of Star Trek II, the wrath of Khan, came out 40 years ago on June 8th, 1982. The greatest Star Trek movie ever. One of the finest movies ever, ever. For nerds, it's like Citizen Kane. It really is. And they're going to be putting it back out uh, this fall to movie theaters. So you'll be able to see Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan in all its magnificence and glory on a big screen as God intended it to be coming up this fall. And I, I saw that, and I'm not, I don't dwell on the 80s very much because, well, I don't remember much of what went on. But I, I do remember as a younger man in the 80s, younger kid in the 80s, going to see Star Trek II for the first time. And, man, that was a great flick. What a great 40, but it's been 40 freaking years, which means I was 14 when I saw that movie. And so I would invite any and all Star Trek nerds, if you want to call up and comment. But who can be? I mean, you have two of the, in a sense, worst actors, cheesiest, hammiest actors, Don, ever, and they're just kicking each other's asses with starships for, like, you know, two hours. Mm Mm-hmm. William Shatner and freaking Ricardo Montalban with his fake chest. Did you know that that, che- that vest thing he wears, he's wearing fake pectorals, I guess those are, his boobs were fake. Well, he was, he was darn near 70 years old at the time. He was he? darn near 70 years old when he played that role, so he had fake breasts. But it is funny because they made him such a badass, he's stranded on SETI Alpha 5, living with a bunch of hippies in something the size of a, of a mobile home, but apparently he still has space and time to work out on a planet completely <laughs> run roughshod by sand- never-ending, endless sandstorms. Right. Now it is time for me to work out on my pectorals so I can show them off with my funky vest in case Mr. Chekhov ever shows up. You know, like, what else would you, I guess, but what else would you do? Well, you know, that, that, that was the thing. Push-ups. They're stuck inside that mobile home during, you know, the great dust bowl of whatever planet they're on. <laughs> you know, he's inside watching Jane Fonda's jazzercise video. <laughs> Get ripped for whatever occasion could come along. What else are you going to do? Nothing else going. It's not like they had cable I'd be TV. The Romulan. No, but I'd be hitting the Romulan ale like I'm stuck in this damn planet. James Kirk, oh, I don't know what you're I'm drinking. The, I'd be getting drunk every day. He's apparently working out. Right. I'm just saying I never thought about how funny that is and that they made him look like he's all buff. But, you know, he's on this freaking Botany Bay mobile home in a sandstorm. <laughs> it's time for me to work out. <sighs> this is the gymnasium at Seti Alpha 5. I must do some push-ups. Anyway, it's a great flick. Have you ever you've seen it, right? Yeah, when it first came out. So 40, See, years, 40 years ago. And I well, don't, I don't really all... remember a whole lot about it. Oh, you, you should watch it again. All right. You should watch it again because I tell you what, the first one came out. I remember my dad took me to see Star Trek, the motion picture, and that movie was horrible. Every, every Trek fan in existence despised that movie. Nobody knew what was going on with the blonde, with the, you know, the bald chick. It, you know, the, the uniforms looked stupid. They all dressed like Mikhail Baryshnikov, you know. I mean, it was... Like in the future, everybody's just going to wear spandex, you know, just loose-fitting spandex. And then Star Trek II comes along a few years later, and oh, my God. Great flick. Coming back to theaters this fall. 
for the 40th anniversary of Star Trek II. I'm going to spend the rest of the show talking about the depressing crap that's going on in the world, but I just wanted what? to put that just out there. Just want to get this out of the way. The whole Star that, Trek. That you makes know, I, me I, so happy. I'm, I'm trying to think of when I saw it. Um, but, I, you know, I remember back then, they would movies would come out, and they'd be out for six, eight weeks or whatever, and then they would disappear for a little yeah. bit and have the second run. And I think that's when I saw it. Was well, was with a friend of mine. I think it was a freshman in high school, I think. Right. And a friend of mine was big into the whole Star Trek thing, and he talked me into going to see it. <laughs> it's a fun. You were a big you, Trek fan. You know, I, I preferred Star Trek over Star Wars any day of the week. Um, right, right. But you know, right. I was just yeah, I wasn't all that interested. But you know, I was yeah, yeah I'll go. Nothing else going on. Right. But the uh, yeah, it was just such a fun movie to watch. It really is. Shatner did. And I kick myself to this day that I didn't go. He did one of these at the Majestic Theater a few years ago where he toured with that movie. Right. And Shatner would come out. Like, this was a big thing a few years ago where Shatner would come out and do sort of a talk thing, you know, about making the movie and take yeah. questions. And then right. they'd show the movie. They did one at the Majestic Theater. And I, I could have gone and I didn't go. And I kick myself to this day for missing that. Uh, it was about five or six years ago. Because, what was the uh, What was the Star Trek movie where... Um... They were supposed to go find God or something. Oh God, that was horrible. Which it which was the one final was Frontier? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I went it's to see one... that one oh. as well. That you maybe want to stick butter knives in my eyes. That was such a horrible. Shatner I, I, directed that one. I went to see it with some friends who were. Oh. You know, this was by like 89? Yeah, that was later in the eighties when uh, things began to I, really suck. Got to see it with some buddies, and they were all big Star Trek fans. Funny oh. how it's funny how I find these people. I don't care, but I still find yeah, these big Star you Trek. Find fans. these Trekkies, right? And so I go with them. And and the movie's probably about halfway through, and I find that I am just doubled over laughing at how it's bad horrible. it is. And they're they're so offended by all of this. How could you be laughing at this? Like it's hilarious. Look you at this hairpiece. I know because it's. I mean, I went. I was depressed watching that because I was like, all right, it's over. It's over. <laughs> when Shatner's free climbing, you know, the mountain in the beginning, and yeah. freaking Spock comes up with the jets jet mm-hmm. shoes. Yep. And they're in the campsite singing Merry, Merry, what is it? Merrily, uh, uh, Merrily, Merrily down. Oh, whatever. Row your boat. Row your boat. Like, oh, boy, what fun. Bones looks like he just wants to hit some more Romulan ale and get snot-faced. It was all, <laughs> Star Trek was over at that point. That's when they jumped now, the shark, right? Well, two things, and i got to take a break. That's when they did. Two things, i got to take a break. The reason you keep ending up with Trek fans is because you do, in fact, look like a Vulcan. I'm just saying you got Vulcan-like qualities. Oh, all right? Yes, you. It's, I'm not. That's not an insult. I'm just saying you are. You have. How can you tell my ears are always covered? Yeah, I know. You wear headphones bald, like 22 it's, hours a day. It's the voice. It's the goat. You look like Spock in that one episode where he's in the bad universe. I mean, you just you 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 have Vulcan-like qualities. You do. That's, a, that's a compliment. I'm Spock in the wrong side of town. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. You're Spock with a goatee when he wants to kill Kirk. Okay, I'm just saying. Secondly. Oh, I forgot what the second thing. Oh no, there was one more good Star Trek movie, and that was um, the last one that the whole cast from the original movie was on, The Undiscovered Country. That was good, mm. but the whale movie sucked. Uh, Finding God, that one sucked. Mm-hmm. You know, so basically, just two Basi- was the one you liked. Well, yeah, because basically Leonard Nimoy did, after the first one didn't want to do Star Trek anymore until he, they figured out how much a moneymaker it was, and so. Well, it was Star Trek Two. He he wanted to be killed off because he wanted out of the franchise because he thought it was stupid. Mm-hmm. 
and then he that movie made a crap load of money, so they had to spend two additional movies just bringing his Vulcan ass back. So two movies are just bringing Leonard Nimoy back into the franchise <laughs> as a new Spock. It was insipid. So just, you know, leapfrog to the undiscovered country and you're fine. Okay, I'm done nerding out. Going to take a break. 210-599-5555. It's Sean on Newstalk 550 KTSA. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Hi, I'm Sean. This is my show. I'm Sean. Hi. Coming up next hour, we're going to talk about the Easter Bunny. You know why we're going to talk about the Easter Bunny? Because apparently the Easter Bunny, P. Cottontail to his friends, is uh, the most powerful human being on planet Earth. Uh, apparently the Peter Cottontail is the leader of the free world, and we'll talk about that next hour. I'm sorry, I can't get over Coco the Black DJ and two liberal diversity idiots in Arizona accusing the dude of wearing blackface. While he's DJing, you know, uh, I mean, how, look, I mean, that guy should have gone full on Sam Jackson uh, on those two pukes. Because the guy, this Kogo guy, he's a, he's a local DJ. Look, local DJs, first and foremost, are beloved by people. And so this was a guy who was very well known in this area, who was doing this PTA fundraising dance thingy with a disco theme. And we're talking about a story where two uh, diversity pukes or whatever, two liberal idiots, who were on some diversity council or whatever, accused him of being a white guy wearing blackface. And he's a black dude. And, and you know, he kind of took it as funny. This is the, if you're a Democrat, this is how stupid you people are at this point. You accused a black dude of wearing blackface. These diversity pukes speak for all of you, by the way. And, uh, you know, were they, they were so embarrassed when they found out this guy was a black dude. It, but he could have had, Chris, he could have had so much more fun with that, going Sam Jackson on them. Do they speak English in blackface? You know what I mean? I mean, just go, you just go all go Pulp Fiction on them. What? Say what again? Say request one more time. Say request. No, I don't have no damn Leonard Skinner, man. They speak English in Leonard Skinner. Now, n- normally both of y'all would be dead, but I'm in a transitional period, so I'm going to let you live. Because I'm just roaming the earth. You know I mean? That would have been funny. That dude, because you know what? I'm going to say this, and this is going to really upset some of you, okay? I'm going to let you uh, tell you a little secret here. Okay, I'm going to tell you a secret. Liberal Caucasians are actually terrified of black people. Yes. They're ter- liberal Caucasians are, you know, diversity liberal honkies who think they know everything and know all about pronouns. Black people terrify those people. They really do. So I Coco the DJ just gone Sam Jack, full on Sam Jackson. That's why Tarantino wrote that character, you know, because it was supposed to be scary to white people. But the, the white people Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction was supposed to be frightening to were liberals, white liberals. They are terrified of black people. I'm not, because, I'm not because I have black friends, but white liberals are secretly terrified of black people. They really are. And I think had Coco, uh, the DJ, just gone off on those, gone full-on Sam Jackson on those two liberal pukes. Oh, they'd have been wetting their diapers. It would have been so funny. 
But apparently he was too classy for that, just kind of laughed it off. All right, we're going to take a little break. It's Sean on Newstalk 550 KTSA. You accuse these officers of brutal and inappropriate measures now that they've been told they will not be criminally charged. Will you apologize? And, Peter, there was an investigation into their behavior. So that investigation is playing out. Whenever it's going to be announced, the Department of Homeland Security will announce that. Sean Rima, 9 till 11, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. Oh, gosh, she's a horrible human being, isn't she? She's just a horrible, horrible, snotty human being. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm Sean. My show. The phone lines are open 210-599-5555. Look, I, let me just get, get the, let me clear the sacky crap out of the way here at the very beginning. She won't apologize to these security folks in the border who are on horseback whom that, that her administration or Biden's administration tried to destroy and turn into racists. She won't apologize, and neither will Biden or any other, any other member of the administration, because Democrats don't apologize. Have you ever noticed that? Democrats, when they screw up and they're wrong, they never apologize. Answer me this. When's the last time you remember a Democrat of stature, and by that I mean a congressman, a senator, representative, a president, a vice president. When's the last time you remember a high-profile Democrat apologizing for anything? I'll wait. Right, you can't, because they don't apologize. Uh, you you want to talk about Brett Kavanaugh? They were evil towards Brett Kavanaugh. They were disgusting. They made crap up about him. Where's the Brett Kavanaugh apology? It's not coming. They try to destroy these guys along the border. Where's the apology? It's not coming. And I'll tell you why. Because the demo the demopuke psychology is they can never be wrong. Because if they admit to ever being wrong via an apology then it means there's something wrong with their entire agenda. And they can't have that. So they can never, ever be wrong. So even when they are wrong, you you will wait a long time. If you get an apology from a Democrat, here's the apology you'll get. I'm so sorry you stupid rubes thought I said something out of context. I'm I'm sorry that the the non-nuanced... Rubish rednecks of this country did not fully comprehend what I was saying. That's that's the kind of a, an apology you'll get from a Democrat. It's a non-apology. It, it usually ends up you and I are to blame for something. So it, Peter Ducey can ask her to apologize all she want, all he wants, and she's not going to do it, even though in her, her thin little noggin she has to know that they screwed up royally and that they intentionally try to uh, portray these horseback security folks, border security folks, as as racist. They're whipping people like slaves. Oh, come on. Now let's get back to black people. And the phone lines are open again, 210-599-5555. One of the things that we're seeing today, one of the stories is that uh, there's been a 32% rise in black homicides and that blacks, African Americans, are being killed at 32% High, uh, 32% higher rate 
than they were like in 2018. So in 2022 or 2020, 30 percent rise in blacks blacks being killed in this country. This is being attributed largely to the defund the police movement. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because their own neighborhoods are the neighborhoods that are being overrun by crime. As a result of having fewer police on the ground. You can look at a whole bunch of polls and, and stats over the past year. Let's just say the past year. Uh, or a year and a half, two years since the George Floyd riots of that fateful summer. And you will see time and time again, black people are against the defund the police. By and large, black people are against the defund the police. They want more police in their neighborhoods. And another interesting stat, black people, uh, are, that the African-American community, are purchasing legal weapons for self-defense more than I think any other community right now and have been consistently for, like a, the, again, the past year, year and a half, to protect themselves because there's no cops on the ground. But the reason you see a liberal obsession with things like CRT and BLM, who Black Lives Matter, they're just a bunch of scam artists, man. They're getting donations from people and buying mansions. The obsession with all that, it's, it's twofold. First off, it's like I and you can call me up and tell me I'm a racist. I don't care. If you, if you think what I'm saying right now is a a stinking racist, I'll tell you why. It's probably because you're you're the very person I'm about to talk about. Last hour I said it. Liberal Caucasians, white liberals are terrified of black people. White liberals actually tend to be the racist in the room. And black people scare the hell out of them, which is why white liberals are obsessed with appearing to be fighting racism, and I support CRT, and I support BLM, and those are peaceful protests. Blah, 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 blah. Don't hurt me. Please. Mr. Black Man, don't hurt me. They're terrified of black people. And secondly, uh, Democrats have been using black people in their expected vote for several generations since the civil rights era uh, and the Jim Crow era, which was largely a Democrat-dominated uh, uh, phenomenon with uh, Democrat mayors who were really all about segregation and black people shouldn't have the right to vote. They were Democrats, Southern Democrats, like Al Gore's old man. And so to erase that history, they have to be the ones fighting for the black man more than anybody else. But really, it's about politics. And it always has been. Vote for me, vote for me, and I'll fight for you. I mean, that's really kind of been the Democrats' credo for the African-American community for a long time. Until Donald Trump came along. (laughs) And a lot of African-Americans peeled off from the Democratic Party uh, in the era of Trump, short and beautiful as it was, because they they realized that they were being used and had been used. And the fact that so many African-Americans, especially in that second term, voted for Donald Trump scared the crap out of the, out of the Democrats because they have always expected that vote. If you, uh, if you want to fight Whitey, vote for us. And they suddenly saw that they could lose that vote. And so if you, if you really kind of look at the timeline, and maybe I'm wrong, you can, again, you can tell me, that's about the time you started hearing about CRT and white privilege and all white people are racist, even if they aren't. They're just racist from the womb because of their white skin. And all black people are victims. 
and they're always being victimized by systemic racism, which is why they shouldn't have to take hard tests in high school, which is why they should have days off for, for rioting, uh, which is why they should be taught CRT, because they're pandering to a community that they're no longer so sure of receiving their vote come Election Day. How does that make you feel? Two one zero five nine or am I a racist? Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Let's go to Esteban. Esteban, how you doing? Man, I look at Jen Psaki, I look at Mayor <laughs> Pete, I look at Dr. Fauci, and I'm proud my my mother's ancestors were on Santa Ana's side at the Alamo. Uh, I mean, I realize that sarcastic is all get out. Right. And it's, but it's funny. Stuff in Scottsdale, Arizona. This this shows you what a load of lies the diversity training is because these diversity trainers were accusing an African American of wearing <laughs> blackface. Oh that shows God. you how and that if that doesn't expose a whole lot behind diversity training, that diversity training is really training people how to be racist. Nothing else will. And as far as the judge in Florida and the mask ruling, that showed that Trump was actually anti-fascist. Because if you look at her ruling, it was a straight separation of powers. Right. Saying that the Absolutely. did not have the right to mandate. And that is as, her ruling is as anti-fascist, anti-authoritarian, anti-rule by man, pro-rule of law, that you can possibly get. So as far I as agree. I hear... In, I hear Saki, and I'm just thinking, uh, give this cracker some cheese because she's so uptight. <laughs> give this and, cracker some cheese. And, you know, Ma- uh, Mayor Pete and his bioelectric <laughs> vehicles. I mean, uh. this is the most elitist, honkiest nine group of people you can imagine, and they are the racists in the room. I agree, absolutely. Esteban, thank you so much, man. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely, it's true. It's true. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five two one zero five nine. Well, and and you know, for four years, it was Trump was a race. It, it, it was a game of I know you are, but what am I? Trump was being called a racist by racists, liberal Democrat racists. Trump was being called a fascist by liberal fascists. And so, if you want to know what's in the mind of your average liberal puke, your average liberal idiot. Just listen to what they accuse other people of being. And then you come to understand what's really in their thoughts and who they really are. Because in their accusations, they actually reveal themselves. Does that make sense? 210 We'll take a little break. And call me up and tell me what you're thinking. It's Sean on News Talk 550 KTSA. <laughs> This is Jamie Markley, and you're listening to News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Stay connected. This is Cynthia Alpha 5. Sorry. Uh, News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071. Richard, are you there? Richard, what's going on with you? Uh, happy Monday to you, Sean, to the rest happy. of it. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off a day, man, because I was off of my meds. <laughs> well, I got up yesterday. Yesterday, the 18th of April, by the way, right. depressed. Then you're not on with Trey. Uh, Why are you depressed? 
it's the 18th. I have to go stand in line at the post office to give the federal government my money and make sure they stamp the envelope uh, oh, the 18th, right. or I'll right, be late. <clears throat> so I'm thinking about standing in that line. And then in the middle of some talking head show, I wasn't even really paying attention. They broke in and said about the federal judge over in Florida, the lady. Yeah. Make my day, lady. Make my day, man. <laughs> it was cool. Dude now, I don't mind go standing in line for 20 minutes with a bunch of old geezers at the post office, and we're all doing the same thing, you know. <laughs> right. Government, do take Made a bite, don't you? yesterday, John. <laughs> well, excellent. I'm glad you're happier happy, today. Happy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Happy. Bro- Thank you, brother. Ring. Freedom reign. Let freedom reign. Hey, thank you, brother. I appreciate the call. He is risen. Uh, 210-599-5555. Let's talk about the Easter Bunny. I know I'm a day, you know, a lot of the stuff Jack and Trey probably talked about yesterday, but i got to get my thoughts out on some of this stuff. The Easter Bunny at the White House Easter thing, whatever that was, whatever. Not one mention of Jesus, of course, uh, but uh, they had uh, some chicken in, in an Easter Bunny costume. They had and a for chicken one, in the Easter Bunny? Not a chicken, a chick. You know, like a chick, like a woman, like a broad, like a like a lady, like a, you know. They didn't have a chicken in a bunny costume because... What's a chicken Easter stupid. Bunny? That would be silly. What, you think they stuffed it with peeps? Well, they do the whole egg thing, so... I'm, I'm saying that for one brief moment in time, the Easter Bunny was the leader of the free world. That's a true damn thing. For one brief moment in time, Peter freaking Cottontail was the most powerful person on planet Earth. What are we going to do when the Easter Bunny hides the president? I, can he do it now? And throw Saki in the basket, too? So Joe, Joe Biden is doddering his way through, through this Easter thing. He's, He's getting cues from everybody, including his wife. Okay, Joe, wave, wave, Joe. I mean, he's getting worse. If you if you if you don't believe he's getting worse, you're probably a Democrat and a moron. Okay. He's in decline, baby. He is declining, and uh, he's there talking to some folks. I I think there were reporters. Uh, at, at you know they were there gathered, and somebody asked him about uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan. And he starts to answer, and and the freaking Easter Bunny comes over, ooh, 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 you know, with the arms out, ooh, 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 and moves his old ass away from the people he was talking to. Just moves him away, gets him out of the. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm the Easter Bunny. Come on, Mr. President, let's go fight some eggs. And I'm watching that, and again, I because re- it was some staffer, some who does media stuff for, for the administration on Summer Guard or image, I, I don't know. I don't care. I can look it up here on my story on my phone, which is where I put all the stuff that I want to talk about on the radio, and I, I don't care enough about who this person was. Well, hell, maybe I can tell you really quick anyway, just for the poops and giggles here. Because she was she was somebody who works for the administration, and very obviously was there because she kind of led him around in other uh, situations. Very obviously, this chick in the Easter Bunny costume was there to control the president. She was happy to do it. 
She was happy to do it. And um, what gets me about that is, okay, apart from the, the, the reality that we all have to start dealing with, which is Joe Biden isn't the president. He's not, he's not really doing the gig. And the reason I say that is it wasn't by happenstance that this chick from the administration ended up in the bunny costume, right? That didn't just sort of happen. They had a meeting. Very obviously, the pukes who work for Joe Biden or whoever uh, are controlling him or actually running the show had to have a freaking meeting prior to this event where they determined, okay, who's going in the rabbit costume? I will. And, okay, you, you're you going to be in the rabbit costume, and you need to keep Joe safe. Okay, keep him away from reporters. If you see Joe, get – I mean, there had to have been a meeting. They didn't just collectively stumble upon this idea to control the president via the Easter freaking bunny. They had to have a secret meeting apart from the president determining who was going in the rabbit costume to control the president, make sure he doesn't say anything stupid or answers any questions. Well, see, that's the other thing. She was listening in. Like she had probably had she like was. earpiece. He has a microphone. Right. It moved right on in there, man. See, any other rabbit, you would have said something like carrot, and that was what you would, the reaction or, you would have seen. Or hoss and fiffle. So, you know, remember that cartoon? I do. I'm just saying they had a meeting on how to handle this event, and they had, and during this meeting, they made a choice as to who was going in the bunny costume and who was going to be controlling the president. Meaning what? Meaning he's not the president. And they have their keywords. if he says any of these things. If he says Afghanistan, Cottontail, get him the hell out of there. Move him to some empty part of the yard. They must have had a freaking meeting to discuss that stuff. And if that doesn't freak you out and make you a little disturbed, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, I don't know what's wrong with you. But very obviously, people who we did not vote for are running the country right now or presiding over this great nation as the president. It ain't him, man. (laughs) It's not him. Ain't no way. That dude last week was shaking the hands of invisible people. Okay, he's not. He's sundowning big time, all right? I'm just saying, that guy ain't the president. And the Easter Bunny moment was a perfect, perfect example of how we all should know at this point that he's not actually doing the job. 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. And we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm Sean. How are you? I'm hyper and wired today, man. I'm a talk show host on the edge. Uh, 210-599-5555. We're going to talk about Chris getting the crabs in D.C. here in a minute. But first, let's go to Ron. Hi, Ron. Hello, Sean. No more coffee for you, sir. Am I hyper today? No yes, just a little. I'm a little hyper. You're getting No, I know hyper. I'm a little I'm a little hyper today, and I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that I'm a little hyper. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. You can forget that one. Oh, God. So how are you? What, what's on your mind there, man? Um, well, you're on my mind, Sean. As usual, don't take that wrong. Um, in the morning show, that is. Um, right. I, I don't relish the moment. I'm going to have to correct you on something. I'm what's that? I'm going to have to do it. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Thank you. Um, I'm not Jen Psaki. I can be wrong occasionally. <laughs> I guess you can, so can I. But I heard you say this morning on your 100,000-watt blowtorch um, that our president was um, in decline. Did I hear that right? He was in decline. Yeah, I think he is, yeah. You think so? Oh, think? obviously. Sean, Sean, Sean. Our what? president is not in decline, okay? I just want you to know that he is not – this is uh, – it's called free fall, sir. Free fall. And I'm not understanding. I'm in, de- I'm, I'm in decline. <laughs> I'm in decline. You're in decline. It's not to give decline a bad I'm in, de- bad I'm in the recliner. <laughs> I well, do my whole show from the recliner. It's more of a plummet. A plummet. <laughs> no, seriously. This is a free fall, Sean. Yeah. We're, we're no, you're right. Kind of de- yeah, I just thought you were being too kind, and normally you're right on the mark. But I thought, no, let's go. This, this, it's, it, it's getting worse, though, isn't it? Haven't you know? It's getting worse. Beyond worse. When you're shaking at a phantom, a shaking hands, and it's like that, <laughs> I, I, I had that molecule. I had your molecule of, of – I, I felt bad for him for that that moment. That It's like, oh, my gosh, this is this I, elderly abuse. Abuse. It really is elderly abuse. I mean, I, I when I saw that moment, because that really was kind of a sad moment, because he literally didn't know what to do. He's reaching his hand out to shake the hand of somebody who's not there. Uh, it's like the moment when Obama was in town, and he's just kind of wandering and doesn't know where to go, and nobody's paying attention oh. to him. And he's a freaking president. And, and I, I, I admittedly, I felt bad for him um, yeah, from an you, elder abuse you, standpoint. And sure, also, good nature. from well, from a human standpoint too, it, 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 there's something almost Shakespearean about Joe Biden, in that his whole life he has worked to become president. He sucks as a president. Don't get me wrong, but his whole existence has been has been about this moment to be president of the United States, and he gets it, and he can't even do the job because no, he's in decline. You, you know what I mean? There's there's a tragic quality about that. Yeah, um, it's 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 something non-poetic about it, yet poetic. Yeah, um, exactly. Depending on what I, side of the fence you're on. Right. I got to run, man. I appreciate the call, Ron. But you know what I'm saying? Remember the Twilight Zone episode where Burgess Meredith played the guy that all he wanted to do was read books. He just want, he was a, he was a I think he worked in a bank or something like that. But he, he just his goal and he loved reading books. And all he wanted to do was spend his life reading books. And through the ep- during the episode, there's some kind of global catastrophe, a nuclear war, what have you. And he ends up being the last man on Earth. And he's elated because now he can just spend the rest of his life going from library to library, bookstore to bookstore, reading books. And he drops his glasses and they break. Right? Joe, right. Picture, if you will. Joe Biden has that tragic uh, Shakespearean quality about his his journey, in a sense. And I'm not. This is not a compliment in any way, shape, or form, because I think he's a horrible human being. Come on, man. Yeah, you are, dude. But he spent his entire life you know, working towards being president of the United States, and he gets the gig, and he's too feeble to do the job, and other people have to do it for him. And in a sense, he's just kind of a tool. He's a pawn. He's not really the president. There is something very deeply tragic about that in a weird way without, again, offering him any kind of 
positivity as far as who he is and what his character is all about. And I think the Obama moment really crystallized that for me because at that particular moment, nobody gave a crap that Joe Biden was the president. Obama didn't give a crap that Joe Biden was the president. Obama treated him like he was still his guy and his vice president. And Obama is a jerk. And the the least of which Obama is is a freaking jerk and an a-hole. And he certainly was that day. Uh, One of the things that we said and people said a lot during the Trump era when he was getting all kinds of crap from the media and and pretty much anybody on the left was, well, you know what? You could hate, you could think he's the worst, most awful president ever, but you know what? You still got to respect the office. And I actually believe that. I believe even if you, and I don't like this president at all. I don't believe he is actually the president, but you still have to respect the office. And taking a an individual like Joe Biden, who is very obviously not capable of doing this job, and very obviously is not doing this job, and you parade him around like that and shove him out there, like they did on Easter Sunday, like they've done on any number of occasions, where you shove the guy the, the guy out there and he can barely finish a sentence. He doesn't know where he is. But you're doing it because he's a Democrat and you work for him or you, you support the Democrats and you need Biden to be in that Oval Office. There is something in that that is very low character. There is something in that that is very uh, grotesque. Uh, especially when you consider his family, who, from his son to his brother to his wife, apparently love the fact that he's president. They loved it when he was vice president. They make a lot of money off of him. Uh, she got a Ph.D. she didn't deserve. Uh, they've been using that man for most of their adult lives as well uh, for personal benefit. So they keep shoving him out there, too. On Easter Sunday, his own wife had to, had to give him instructions on what to do. She had to tell him when to wave. And, and I'm not the greatest dude on the face of the earth, and i got all kinds of problems, all right? But let me tell you something. There's something sick about that. There's something sick about using that failing old man, either for your, prof- your, your financial uh, uh, enrichment, your political enrichment, there's just something really dark about all of this. How does that make you feel? 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. Uh, let's take a little break. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. And we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA. So Mr. Glasgow was on vacation for the past week. And apparently, Mr. Glasgow got crabs in lots, D.C. Lots of crabs. Mr. Glasgow, Don Morgan, got lots of crabs. He got some. Cra- he got the crabs in Washington, D.C., and haven't we all at that? Actually, no, you did go get, because I've been bugging you, because you love, you got family out that direction, so you visited D.C. a number of times. And I, and you know what's fun, because that's where I grew up, around that area. It was fun to watch you in D.C. is you you have a genuine interest and love of what you're seeing. And I, because Chris sends, a, sends me a lot of pictures when, he, when he's in D.C. And uh, things that I've, you know, grew up seeing and maybe if I were to go back now would, would take for granted or, oh, I've seen that 
a thousand times or what have you. Every time Chris goes to D.C., it's like he's seeing all the monuments and everything out there and the Smithsonian for the first time. And if I may get serious, you, you have a deep and abiding love of this country and what this country represents. And that's very obvious when you are in D.C. walking around, taking pictures and looking at stuff. I was in I, and I meant to, to mention to you, uh, I, I should have taken pictures, but I didn't want to seem too much like a weirdo because I was very much passing through. <laughs> but the, the foggy bottom area oh, when yeah. i was walking through there it just it was so i was thinking i was like i could live here because it was just so cool just all the it was like a whole bunch of tiny little buildings just all crammed together right yeah and you're walking through you know straight up american history oh, yeah, uh, just around I, every single corner like there's that there's that and there's that right and and, and, and all, all I can history. do now is think about, okay, when I go back, now I need to see this and this. Because and, right. you can't, there, everyone's saying there's, there's no way you can see everything. There's no way you can see everything in one week. No, you can't. Uh, it's impossible. There's too so much. So much. Yeah. And that's the beauty of going to places like that, though. You know, those major northeastern cities like D.C. or Boston or Philadelphia. There's so much history. there. It's oh, impossible yeah. to get it all in in one day. Look, my old man and I, because we used to go to D.C. all the time, just he and I, to, you know, see stuff. But we we spent two days once in just one building of the Smithsonian, and I think we only got through two floors. Yeah, I mean, you, you, it's never enough time to see everything. And you're right. It's all raw American history that you can touch. You're right there. All these amazing events took place. But on top of all of it, Don Morgan, Chris also got the crabs. He finally, I've been bugging him. Right. Man, and I call him, he calls me sire, and I call him young squire. It's a thing we have. Mm-hmm. And I've been saying, young squire, you must get some blue crabs. This time I admonish you to get some blue crabs. Okay, so what did. what did you think, Chris? Did you like them? Was it worth, was it worth, was oh, live up to the hype? Or? And, and that was the other thing. I was even saying, even worth all the jabs in my thumb, because I've become the expert now of, of the shelling. And, yeah, it was, it, we, we, you know, I, I was telling Sean, I, we had no idea about the, measurements or how much to get for what kind of group so right? and so we ended up getting half a bushel which was right. way more than we needed but <laughs> so you know we That's cooked them all grabs. we cooked them all the first night and then my brother and his wife spent some time harvesting the meat but then it was like the the second to last night i was there we ended up making crab cakes and that, that was really good oh cool excellent well there you go no I, i'm really happy you didn't you did not steer him in the wrong direction not at all. Well, and I, I mean, I, you know, it's it, and it's like with you, Don, where you're from. You know, you you grow up just eating that kind of different foods that are you know like lobster and seafood, and I grew up eating you know crabs and oysters and shrimp and all that and scallops, and you just the whole process of just dumping a bunch of crabs out on a piece of newspaper and just sitting there all day with a bunch of friends picking at them crabs mm-hmm. is just a little bit of heaven, man. And now I eat crawfish. Now they ain't quite as big. It's crabs, it's obviously. Little, it's a little more work. <laughs> a little more work because they're dinky. They're tiny compared to a Jimmy Crab or a lobster. Right. Yeah. But, Chris, I'm just so happy you finally and, and But you loved them, and they had crab cakes. Yes. And, like, you had real crab cakes. Now, I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not dissing AGB because they have their spicy crab cakes, and they're not bad. But, man, a homemade crab cake, there ain't nothing like that because you can put just crab in there. Yeah, we had the, the whole experience of going out to the the – the, what was it, Fisherman's Wharf, and picking yeah. out the, the, the oh, crabs that we wanted, and you know, having the guy who was busy with us tell another customer, go away. <laughs> go away. 
<laughs> well, you know, because Chris always heard that. They go to this guy who's working the bin, right, Don? You know, yeah. all the crabs are latching onto each other, and he's trying to pull them out. It's and like trying to herd po- cats, really. Well, it is, and he's a waterman, waterman. And you know this guy gets at least five or six people every day who know absolutely nothing about eating crabs or buying like, crabs. Like me. Right. Like, well, but, you know, the woman, because you said he just sort of ignored this chick who was asking him, so how many do I buy, you know, or something like that. And the guy just, he said he just looked away from her and said, ask him. You know, I mean, you got to be careful talking to Waterman. They'll go all quint on well, you. Well, when we went up to this guy, he wasn't doing anything, and he addressed, can uh, I help you? But, you know, he was helping us, and that's when she came right. up to him and started talking to him. <laughs> At one point, oh, you know, God. he was ignoring her and ignoring her, and then at one point he's like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> go away. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you again. I don't know where you're from, but you better get out of here right now and be gone by Sunday. Anyway. Uh, you know, the so last anyway. person that talked to me that way, I turned these crabs loose on them. Last time someone talked to me like that, I I set these gym crabs loose on them. And they clamp on real hard, and you can't get them off. Once you get a jimmy crab, you never can get a jimmy crab on your nipple. He ain't coming off. You get take gr- that nipple right with him. You get a grip on your nipple. Get a grip on your nipple. You ain't getting that nipple back, Ollie. All right, well, that's the show. Um, have a great day. Thanks, Chris. Glad you're back. Uh, Don Morgan, uh, Lane Rodriguez, and my good brother Trey Ware. Spread the love. Don't don't be a jerk. All right, all right, all right. Now, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.